Hi guys, welcome to another episode of In the Trenches with Andrew Taylor. For a while, I've had a couple friends reach out to me and say, there's a guy named Tim Hightower in the area and you guys need to get together. You're talking about a lot of the same things, share a lot of the same energy and passion for the work you're doing. And after the last person called me, I said, let's do it. Let's do an interview. So I got him on the podcast. Tim played in the NFL and had a good start, but then hurt his knee and had some real complications with it, ended up being out of the NFL for four years and then returned. He's the only athlete to ever do that in the history of the NFL. That process was painful. He learned a lot. He takes those lessons now and he applies it to Hightower Enterprises where he creates health and wellness programs for people. Um, he's done a lot of deep research into nutrition, sleep, uh, holistic options to to heal the body and, and also attitude and mindset and what it takes to overcome adversity. I enjoyed my interview. I think you will as well. As always, thanks for joining and enjoy. Tim Hightower, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too, man. Been looking forward to this one for a while. I've had a handful of people be like, you got to meet Tim Hightower. So I'm glad we finally got to connect um, and do an interview. So it's a good I way to start. It. I love yeah. it. Hey, I'd love to start with football, talking about football. It's, um, it's a big deal in my family and everybody still calls me Uncle Rico. And, and uh, I, you know, I still, have a <laughs> shot. I still, I still feel like I got a shot at the league at 42 years old. I'm still, I haven't given up on that dream, but, Tell us your football history and kind of how that shaped you and brought you to what you're doing today. Yeah, man. Those dreams never die, man. You got to stay young. They keep you going uh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I Mine started with a dream, too. You know, it started in fourth grade. I had a dream. Um, I was going to play professional football and uh, wrote it down on a sheet of paper. And I gave it to my mother. I don't know what possessed me to, to write this thing on a sheet of paper and give it to my mom so that I was going to play professional football one day. But I did that. I had no clue what that meant or what the next uh, few years would look like. But that that dream uh, just kind of really fueled me. I grew up playing soccer and sports was huge in our family as well. But for whatever reason, I, I loved soccer. I, I did not like baseball, uh, I loved basketball. I love sports. But for whatever reason, football just drew me. I, I practiced every day. It's all I wanted to do. I would watch all of the great running backs, Walter Payton and Barry Sanders and, and Emmitt Smith and Tony Dorsett and Gerald Sayers. I won't go on and on and on, but I knew every one of them. Um, and I would practice their moves. And it just, it, it kept me focused. It kept me out of trouble. Um, I, I loved going to practice. I, I loved everything about it. And that led me up into high school and, and um, bounced around a few different high schools, but I kept playing football. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, senior year comes around, I don't have any scholarships. Uh, four different high schools, I kind of bounced around. My family moved around a lot. But I knew I still wanted to play. I knew I still wanted to play. And, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a scholarship offer. University of Richmond, you know, a small school comes around. And they're the only school that gave me an offer. And turns out that's, that's the only one I needed. Uh, because it, it, it worked out great for me there. Uh, I didn't know anything about the University of Richmond. But it was a great place for me to grow, uh, play, and challenge. I'd be challenged. And and, um, and so I left there and, and was drafted fourth round, fifth round, excuse me, uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, 
played in the Super Bowl my first year. Things were going great. Traded back to the Washington Redskins. Which I grew up in the Maryland area. Everything is, is going great. I'm about to sign a, uh, a big-time contract. And then I experienced an injury. was out for a little bit, for a long bit, four years, oh. and fought my way to get back. Made four it back, played injury. for a few more years. Yeah, it started out as an eight-month ACL meniscus, which uh, turned into a lot of infections and, and uh, five surgeries later. Um, but I got back to playing, and I got back to playing at a high level and starting and finished strong, and, and that kind of led me to where I am now. So, so for our listeners that aren't football followers, four years in the NFL is an eternity in terms of like playing a season and then being out for four years. So what that comeback is amazing. To get back into the league and have a good experience, that's, man, that's remarkable. Well, I, I tell people the, the average NFL career, when I ask most people, I say, what do you think average NFL career? And they say, oh, four years, five years, six years. I say, no, it's, it's three years. The average NFL career is three for running back is two and a half. And so I was out for longer than the average career is, you know, people are in. And so when you put things in perspective, it, it just helps me and it helped me have a, 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 a deep appreciation for what I was able to do and, and, and those around me were able to support me to, to get back to playing because you understand how rare it is. You know, football is 27. It's while in the world saying this young football years, you're starting, you're getting out of your prime there. So every single <laughs> one of those years that goes, that starts to go by, you're starting to count, count and say, Hey, do I have a chance of even coming back? And then it's a young man's game, but you got young talent coming in every single year. So it definitely, uh, provide the perspective uh, for that those four years away and getting back. Were there people that said, Tim, time to move on, man, it's not going to happen. And how did you handle that? There were more people who said it would not happen than, than said that it would happen, if I'm honest. Look, we, I think sometimes we think that we want people to support us in our dreams and, ambition, and our ambitions, but people can support up until the point that they if they've never experienced it, if it's not, re, you know, realistic for them, it's hard for them to grasp their mind around doing something that's just outside of anything that they've ever seen before. And so even, you know, the more and more doctors, I'm seeing doctors all over the place, Andrew. I'm traveling whatever state, any specialist, somebody give me some answers. Somebody help me out. Somebody fix my knee. No one had answers. So they're telling me it's not possible. Oh, it's getting, you know, after year one, after year two, after year three. Coaches, nobody wants to pick up the phone call from my agent. Family members are saying, hey, look, you gotta, you gotta do something now. It's year two, it's year three. Other than my wife, my godparents, a very close friend, from every everyone else, it, it really was it's time to move on. Maybe you're holding on to this thing and you're living in this fantasy world. Maybe maybe it's time to do something different. But fortunately, I had made up in my mind before the whole process took place that I was willing to do whatever, you know, my chips were all in and the people who were around me who did support, they held me to that, held me to my word of what I said I was going to do. And uh, that was all the support uh, that I needed. Yeah, man. I, I think that I can relate. I'm a dreamer. I, I, I try to go big. I have, you know, dreams that are a little bit outside of the box and I, I've had a lot of failures as well. And, yeah. and, you know, well-meaning people that want the best for us in life, 
you know, they may not be as comfortable with this process. And, and so it is hard, man. I've had people pull me aside and be like, Hey man, it's time to move on. Like, you know, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. no. and, and, and there's something inside you, I'm guessing that just couldn't. And in a way, not that I'm like defiant, maybe you're the same way. Almost when, sometimes when people tell me you're not, you can't do it, man, it's not going to work. It, that almost like, there's a little part of me. It's like, Oh, oh let me show you. Is, do you have that? Did you, do you have that experience as well? Yes. Yes. But I, you know, I had to, I had to um, really, I think I've matured a lot in that area. I think growing up, it was more about, uh, it started out as a passion as something that I, I wanted to do. Then the more and more people started telling you, giving the expectations, the percentages of people who actually can make it, they started putting their opinions and their expectations on you. Then absolutely, you start to, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, that rage, you can only go so far on that kind of mentality. Like the, the, the reason why I got there was because it was something that was deep on the inside of me. It wasn't about getting, it so, wasn't like yeah. revenge. It wasn't about, right. So that passion, when that passion burns on the inside of you, that's greater than any other force. And so for me, through that process, Yes, those times would fuel me uh, when someone, you know, a doctor or someone, whomever would say, hey, you can't do this or it's, be, be more realistic or it's time to move on. But at a certain point, the idea of what I could accomplish and how I could have an impact on people, that idea fueled me greater than anyone's uh, opinions and expectations. Like the idea that if I, if and when I actually make it back from, from this injury, how many people can I impact? Like, how will my life change? How will those, like, I can literally look people in the face and say, don't ever give up and know what I'm talking about because I lived it. And so like that idea, it came from like this chip on the shoulder, trying to prove everyone wrong to this internal drive and desire, almost back to that. And that became more important and more of the focus than really people's expectations or trying to prove people wrong. Man, that's cool. So what did you do with, uh, how did you get your knee back with all these doctors saying it's over with all these complications, nobody having answers? What, what is the thing that you discovered that got you there? Yeah, well, first it was, it was finding out that there was something wrong with the infection. I mean, I had, I saw a lot of doctors and, um, a lot of people just sometimes overlooking it, you know, they, they, they've done it for a long time. Uh, doctors are human. They, they make mistakes like everyone else does. Uh, and just kind of looking at it from one approach, the same approach. Well, well let's do this. And we finally had one doctor who, who was actually listened to me, my experience, and saying, you've done how many injections? You've done how many surgeries you've done? Has anyone ever taken a look at inside the joint to see if it could be infected? No. <laughs> Which is something uh, that 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 one of the first doctors, if I could digress just for a little bit, who I worked with, I was feeling something was going on inside my knee and he suspected it could be an infection. But I started listening to all these other opinions and I stopped trusting myself. And so finally I got, I find a doctor, 10, 15, 20 uh, docs down the road and he brings it back to where I was initially. And so it was amazing to see after three years, you go back to where you started, like that instinct, that gut reaction, that initially there was something there. 
So finally, he took a look at it from a different angle. He opened up my knee yet for another for for uh, fourth time, and uh, it was infected. He had to clean it out, and uh, that's when the healing was finally able to start. Because before then, I was doing a lot of band aids, patching up, trying to treat the symptoms, but not really getting to the root of what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. And so once I was able to address what was actually really going on inside my knee and identify it, then I could the, the rehab and all that kind of stuff was. I knew how to do that. I knew how to train. I knew how to get in good shape. But I had to address that and take care of that. Awesome. So you returned back to the league after four years and and how to go from there? You know what? The first part was relearning my body. It's to your point, what you just talked about, I was so determined to prove that I was the same person and not better than I was before. I could do everything the same way I did it. Um, you know, I was I was not 23, 24, I was 28, right? But yet I'm still trying to act like I was that same person. So my pre-practice routine was different. My post-practice routine was different. The way I trained was different. I felt like I was wiser. I, I had watched the game, studied the game for so long, but my body was different. And so I think it was first, it was just that training camp. That first training camp was the Saints. It was man, I felt like a baby learning how to crawl again. Um, things that I had done second nature, I didn't even have to think about, right? And so um, coming to the realization that I am better, but I got to respect what happened. I got to respect the process that I, that I went through and there's wisdom in that. And so learning that whole first year, working with the different therapists and the trainers and, and the people who had worked with, how do I prepare my body to perform at a high level again? where I am now, not where I used to be. What works for me now? Um, My food changed completely. The holistic, you know, my sleep, the way I slept, um, how much, how much I slept, everything became, I became a lot more aware of all of these other things that off the field that impacted my performance on the field. And I felt like I became a much wiser and smarter player, but it was when I embraced the fact that Man, things are different, man. You went through five surgeries four years later. Things are different, and that's okay. But just going through that process, man, I I, I get there to uh, New Orleans Saints. They give me a shot, and I'm um, fifth on the depth chart. I'm not supposed to make this team, but I refused uh, every single day, man. Just It almost kind of brings you back to when I was a rookie, proving myself. When I was knowing one of me at Richmond, proving yourself got to the point where in the NFL, not that I took it for granted, but you, you you know, you're playing the Super Bowl, you're NFL starter, right? You've had success. Mm-hmm. But you forget that while you're having that success, while you're quote unquote on top, there are people who are like you or who are in worse shape than you and they're doing everything they can. They're fighting, just hoping for your opportunity, hoping for your spot. And so it almost kind of brought me back to that underdog just mentality every single day i'm gonna earn every single thing and i think the coaches saw something sean payton saw something uh um in me that they had to have that they that they liked and so i you know i was there with the saints for two years and and uh it was a good run the the my dad loves the saints so i watch a lot of the saints ball and i love their organization drew Brees and who that you know, who that nation yeah man like they're yeah yeah i i I don't, I can't say I know a lot about Sean Payton, but it seems like he has an eye for that sort of thing. And that's, so that's really cool. Um, yeah. I love that underdog stuff, man. I, you know, working with young people with depression and anxiety, 
that have been, that's what I do in, in my career, right? Like they, they come to my program just down, right? Like kind of mm-hmm. equivalent of the knee injury, right? And I, I just love seeing that process of them pulling it together and proving it more than anything to themselves that they, yeah. they have every right to their full potential and success in life. And that's inspiring. That's why I like my work. It inspires me. I love seeing underdogs come back. In a way, I feel like an underdog in my in my own ways. And I think that um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that underdog experience. We tend to put people on a pedestal, and you know, athletes, actors, whatever it may be, um, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, and think, well, that's how it, how it goes. But I think the more common story is yours, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like Tom Brady, uh, you know, love him or hate him. He was a six round draft pick. And when the NFL and the world realized he was amazing, you know, they started talking about him. He's like, Hey, in my head, I'm still a six round draft pick trying to make my way in the NFL, right. Trying to prove myself. And that, that mindset of exactly what you're saying of never, ever feeling like you've ever arrived, but also never, ever feeling like on, on both sides never feeling like you've ever arrived, but also never feeling like I'm too low to where I can't get myself out. Like, I don't care how, I, I think if, if there's anything that, that being rock bottom, losing every, and when I say everything, every dime that I made in the NFL up to that point playing, I spent every dime getting back, right? Um, mm-hmm. Losing money, losing friendships, relationships, um, status whatever it was feeling like you're at this rock bottom space and then finally it hits you before the money before the agents before anyone knew who i was before a touchdown it was me it was a dream that god placed on the inside of me a vision and a work ethic to get there i can get myself back up out of this place and so just that kind of having that, you know, that, that balance of, you know, when you have, think about being around this, people like Tom Brady, you have this mentality of, I'm never going to let, because people want to put you on a pedestal, they're quick to pat you on the back for all their accomplishments. And you start to buy into that and you start to believe it. And it starts to, again, like, like I just said, and I went through this personally. For every time you start reading your press clipping and you're looking back at what you did yesterday instead of looking forward to where you got to go, there's somebody who is looking at you and they're saying, I'm going, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to get better than you. Right? So not being appreciative and thankful and, and enjoying your success with those and your loved ones who've helped you get there, but also knowing it's so much more than an accomplishment. You have so much more to offer to this world. And even when you get to that low point, you have so much more that can get you out of where you are to where you need to go. So keeping that, that, that balance in that perspective for me, that was one of the biggest things that, um, that I took out of those four years. Yeah. That's really cool. So how is all, how have all these experiences, what do you do now? What's, what do you currently do and how do you use those lessons to help others? Great question, man. I, I speak a lot, um, whether it's young people or corporate is, and, and, and really the topic is, you know, utilize my story, but how can you be, how can we be the best versions of ourselves? One, a father, that, that is the most important role, a husband and a father to me, family is first for me. So 
chasing kids around. I got three kids, one on the way, uh, trying to be the best dad I can be for them. Two, helping people be the best that they can be. Um, so I really study uh, study human behavior. I study uh, psychology, human behavior, business uh, development, and really just trying to help people maximize their gifts, their skill sets, and all that kind of stuff. I'm really I'm really into real estate. I started a private equity uh, fund, and so some things like that. Those, those are a few things that I'm currently working on. Cool. And what are your what are some of your like philosophies? You know, do you like to, you know, you, you, you mentioned mindset, you know, you mentioned seeing that your body was different and having to adjust to that. You know, I think of things like that I've had to learn along the way in my career of like confronting the brutal reality, right? That's what I look at is like, you had to confront there. There was a brutal reality there you had to face. And then when we're young, young, meaning in our 20s, we tend to be like, no, that won't affect me. And then the wisdom of the years hopefully starts kicking in and we go, no, that's absolutely something I need to account for. And I can still work within that. It's just changed, right? That's what, and, and like, you know, your knee journey, one of my business professors was like, she challenged us to be, to try to make sense of things. She was challenged us like, if something doesn't make sense, you know, embrace that curiosity until you find a solution. And that's, that really like was what I was thinking about when you told me about your knee story. So how do all these lessons apply and what do you like to talk about? And how do you implement those into your work? Yeah. Um, a, a few things that stick out. The first one is just the realization that what's in you is greater than anything that's on the outside of you that, or that anything that can ever happen to you. I think sometimes it's, we get so overwhelmed by where we are and like the status of our relationship, the uncertainty of our relationships or financial situations or whatever it is that we forget, like there's something on inside of all of us and that something and those some things were placed on the inside of us before any of this stuff happened like that idea or that dream or that vision or whatever it is. And we lose sight of that. And so it's that thing and the realization and the pursuit of those things that allow us to get past the current situation that we're, that we're currently in. Um, and if you don't have that perspective, it makes all of the, you can put all the other principles in place, but just that realization that I can get through, there's nothing in this world that can put me, that can put me down, that can stop me unless if I, if I don't keep going. Right. And so that's kind of that first, the first thing, uh, the second thing very closely related to it. And this was really something that my mom instilled in me. Um, and my mom and dad was don't ever accept no, no, today doesn't mean no tomorrow. So going through this, you know, experiencing that lesson in, in sports and coming back from this injury, but now also in business, if you accept no, one thing I'm learning is if you accept no now, you'll accept no tomorrow. You'll accept no the next day. I'm applying to the business school and I won't go through the whole story, but there was some situation and, and, and you know, they, they, they tell me no. And so I sit back, I, I let two weeks go by. So I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, I was a little frustrated. But the next thing I know, I literally asked myself that question. Why would I accept no? Not that I think that I'm privileged or I, I, I'm supposed to, I'm entitled to anything, but 
But I said, why would I accept no? Have I ever accepted no up until this point for anything else in my life? So now, okay, I'm not going to accept no. So what do I need to do to get yes? And now your mind starts to think through solutions. Okay, I call this person. I do this. I do this. Next thing you know, we got a yes. But so that would be the second one. Don't ever accept no if something's that important to you. Don't ever accept no. You got to find a way. Um, a few more. Uh, you're asking about my life principles, and I have a few of them. Um, don't let anything beat you twice. A coach used to tell me, uh, I had a, a, a coach that I really respect. He said, don't ever let anything or anyone beat you twice. And what he was mean, and we had, in football, we had a 24-hour rule. So after a good game, you had 24 hours, you celebrate the victory. I mean, you celebrate it, celebrate it like there's no tomorrow, but then the next day you get back to work. If you're on Tuesday morning, if you're still looking at highlights from your last performance, well, you're one day behind on an opponent. On the other side of that, if you're still mourning, if I had a game, I've had games, I had two fumbles, um, didn't play well, and I'm still down about what run I could have played or how I could have done that better. Well, now I'm not preparing for this next opponent. And now that game beat me twice because that opponent didn't beat me. It's me still looking back and not preparing for what's ahead that beat me twice. So 24 hours, move on mourn it and celebrate it, but move on. Don't ever let anything beat you twice. Um, and then the last one that that's, that's two, two that really kind of tied together are, you know, being a student and understanding that success leaves clues. Um, really studying those, you know, you know, having a vision for where you want to go, but we don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Like truly being a student of those who have, achieve great things ahead of you. They leave clues, right? If you've had certain success in your life and you would happily share them with people, you know, who, who come after you because you don't want them to go through the same mistakes and headaches that you went through. So are so many other philosophers and business people. They're the same way. They leave clues behind it, whether it's in book form and audio, somehow, and it's our job to find those people and to study them, to study their successes, their failures, and to learn from those things, to study history. And so those are, those are a few things that, for me, that, that, that have really uh, resonated with me and really been helpful, uh, not just during my football career, but even after. Some good wisdom in there. That's really cool. Um, so a couple questions, you know, that I, that I have in mind. How do you stay motivated? And, and if... If you're working with somebody that's really struggling with motivation, what's your philosophy and how do you approach that? Well, first of all, man, I, I, it, for me, it has to start with a vision. Like I have to see myself. I have to have a vision of, of, of what, who and what, what I want to become. Like if I can't see it, I can't be it. I mean, it sounds cliche, but if I can't see, well, why am I here? Like what's going to come? Like it's hard to work towards something that you just can't see. Uh, when I, whether I'm a kid living in people's basements, living in hotels, whatever it was, it started with me having a vision that one day I could something, there was something out there that was greater for me. And even if that just meant closing my eyes and like imagining, them, okay, if you did close your eyes and you, if you could be anywhere in a better space, where would it be? What would you be doing? Who would you be with? Start there. What is a vision of a better day, a better tomorrow of success look like? Because that's what I have to go back to when 
things are chaotic, I have to go back to what that vision is. For me, that that's how, if you're asking how, how I stay motivated. So I always start with some kind of vision, some kind of picture. And then from there, I have to write that down, draw it out, write it down. What does that success look like? For me, it, it helps me to have a reference point of, man, what am I working toward? Where am I going? Right? Uh, so that's number one for me. Number two is going back to what I said, study people. There's certain people who resonate with you and there's certain people who don't. Why? Why do some people, why do you gravitate to some stories? Why are you inspired and motivated by some people? And that's different for all of us. Um, I don't always rely on, I don't always feel like waking up and and, 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 and being a husband and being a father and working out and, and, and uh, you know, whatever it is, I don't always feel like doing it. But there are people who resonate with you who I look at, I listen to their tapes, I listen to what they're doing, I study them, I read their books, I, and I become inspired by them and their habits and what they're doing. And so find people, find somebody who inspires you and read their work, listen to them. Keep them in front of you. Put a picture of them. It's not idolizing. It's just, it's allowing them to, to, to inspire you. Um, so su surround yourself with inspiration. And then lastly, for me, um, I have to have goals. I have to have goals. And there's a, it, there's a goal kind of formula that I, that I use. But I have to have something that I'm working towards, like a written down goal. That just keeps me, for me, it keeps me accountable, and it, it, it gives me something to, to work towards on a daily basis. So those are a few things that kind of just keep me, keep me going, and then I share with, uh, with other people as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that um, it's so true. When you've got a buddy or a friend or even an acquaintance you bump into, and they're like, yeah, I'm on this routine. I do it every day. Like that definitely sparks something in me and helps, helps keep me motivated yeah. for sure. You know, and like there is, there's, there's a community center, a tribe feel to working on a goal together. You know, you definitely get that through sports. It's harder to find in adult life. And I think that, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's why I think that this is so important. And I am a believer in in finding coaches and, and mentors throughout our entire lives and people that can push us. I love that. How do you know, you know, you mentioned like, don't take no for an answer. And I, I, I believe in that. How do you balance that with knowing when it's time to let something go? That's a great question. And if, if I can hear my wife, like you need to clarify, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and I don't take this lightly. I don't, believe and know when, when, it, when we're, I'm not talking about at someone else's will, right? Um, right. Of course. You know, I don't take that lightly or for granted that someone would ever misconstrue what I said there. I'm talking about when you're pursuing a goal or a dream or something that's important to you, not an individual. But now that we got that out the way, how do you know? For me, I always knew when, like when I was done with, with football, when I was unwilling to do what it took to keep going. And on everyone else's stand, like on everyone from everyone else's perspective, I can you we can fool a lot of people, but there's a certain focus and passion where when when you turn that TV off on Sundays, and the game is over with. You don't turn your career off. 
I got to get in that cold. The, 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 the clock starts now because if I want to be ready for the next game, my recovery starts now from when I eat my body, put my body, from my sleep, cold tub, massage. I'm five hours after that game. I may not be spending time with my family because I'm already, that, that recovery process already started. Same thing in the off season. When I was no longer willing and did not enjoy that process, it's time for me to start to move on. When you no longer have an appetite for doing the boring, for going through that process, whether it's business, whether, it doesn't matter what it is. When you're no longer committed to that process, that grind, that just, it's time, you got to find out where your passion and your energy is directing you. Like the idea of something might be appealing to you, but if you're not willing to go through that, and everyone has a different tolerance, right? Like, okay, my business, I could be losing money or I'm not getting a call for football, whatever it is, but I'm still committed to this process. I'm still committed. I'm dedicated to this process. So my tolerance that they say it in business, you're, you know, your risk tolerance, my tolerance and my appetite is still there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the first indicators. And then two, for some people, because there are some people who will just chase dreams and, and there's no fruit there. I, honestly, the only other thing I would say is give it a time, uh, uh, give it a timeline and give it a timetable, given that you've done everything. Uh, that you need to do. But for me, it's hard for me to place a timetable on somebody's dreams. And if they're willing to do, you see people go 20 years, right? For me, I was willing to do whatever it took. And and that meant, okay, there came a time where I had to get a job. Mm -hmm. So I was working, but yet still in the morning, early in the morning or late at night, I was still working out and training. So yeah, my life moved on, but I still was committed to this dream. And it's, so it's hard for me to tell somebody when they should move on if they're still willing to do the things that is necessary to put them in a position of accomplishing whatever it is. And, and they have the support of their loved one, you know, who, whether it's not putting a strain on your you know, relationship, immediate relationship, I may be the wrong person, but it, it, you never know when that, that, that door is going to open and you got to be prepared. No, it's, it's not easy, right? There's, sounds like you've identified some really good criteria. I like it. You know, for guys like you and me, like I think just some people are wired to be kind of dreamers. I I hesitate to use the word visionary, but just, you know, you have a dream, you have a vision, right? That instilled in you at a very young age. Um, That happened to me as well growing up. And um, some people, you know, I've got some friends out there that are super bright and talented and capable and young people that I work with and they're like, I have no vision. I have no dreams. I have no idea what my passion is. It comes harder to others. How do you, how do you coach someone in that situation? I think that I would challenge people. You may not have, and my wife is that she's, she's, she's very creative, artistic. It's not like she's very skilled at multiple things, right? Like I'm, I need a lot of reps. I'm a repetition guy. I can focus on something and, and really get good at it. She's picks things up very easily. Um, one of those people who just hear something and remember it, but she struggled with finding one thing, right? Um, like, what is that one thing that I'm going to do? Um, which I don't believe that there has to be one thing personally, but Agreed. for me, it's what are those things that resonate with you? What are those people that resonate with you? 
What are those things that you're constantly gravitating to that, that you're watching? That, what are those causes that pull on you? Some people are, are, whether it's social justice, whether it's animals, whether it's human trafficking, whether start to take inventory of where your energy flows. Your passion is going to go to where your energy flows. Where are you directing your energy and why? Start to ask yourself some of those questions. Who, who do you not like and why? What do you, what can you not stand and why? Start to really pay attention and write some of this stuff down. You'll start to see some common threads and it may not necessarily be, oh, you're going to do this, but more of thinking about more of the impact side of it, not necessarily a job title, not necessarily like, but thinking about what kind of impact do I want to have? And the only way I'm going to know that is if I start to take uh, pay attention to what are those things that I gravitate to. Secondly, continue to read and put yourself in environments around people that just bring out different things in you. Like expose yourself to lots to a lot of information as much as possible. People who think different, who because it's like you start to again, you, you're we, we're inspired by others. The more I read, right, the more I read the stories of others, the more I, I, I watch documentaries. Every Sunday, a big habit of mine is I watch one thing. I watch a documentary that inspires me. I learn about someone else's past, someone else's success or their story, right? And so gaining inspiration and vision and, and, and ideas and creativity from others as we're taking inventory of who we are and things that spark us, oh, maybe, you know what? I don't want to do exactly what they did, but I like this about what they did. I like this impact, how this person has this impact. This story really resonates with me. You start to put things together and now you start to put yourself in environments where you start, can have similar impacts to where now we're in such a great age, you can really kind of carve your own niche. But not being discouraged thinking that, for some people it is, it's a doctor, it's a lawyer, it's an athlete, it's a teacher, whatever it is. But for other people, it's you may have to create and carve your own lane and that's okay as long as you know what it is that moves you, that inspires you, what causes that are important to you, and you're doing those, and you're doing those things, I think you'll find you'll end up more times than not uh, putting yourself in a situation where you're you're a lot more fulfilled in your life. Thank you. That's helpful. Thoughtful of your time. So last question, and then we'll talk about how people can find you, but. This may sound odd, um, but I want to go back to you, you. You mentioned like diet and sleep and a different way to take care of your body after your injury. That's very interesting to me right now as, as I'm in, you know, hitting my early 40s here and I'm in good health. I'm in good shape, but things feel different, right? Aches and pains yeah. are different. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm trying to learn more about diet, inflammation different kinds of exercise you know i've experimented with intermittent fasting what routines and what sort of uh what did you learn in that process and what did you do to get your body to peak physical condition yeah i, I don't think we have enough time for me to go through everything um, <laughs> that's that's the next I, interview I, that's another when one I, when I say I, i've experimented with every and tried everything but it absolutely started with what i put in my body in the sleep Sleep and what I put in my body was the first most important thing in the healing process that I learned. And um, I was, I'm big on the blood type diet. I know people have a lot of conflicting ideas on, on every study or anything that's out there, but 
Um, I saw a doctor down there in Florida and he was, it was the first time that he really, you know, he took my blood and he introduced me to the fact that our bodies and our genetic makeup is different. And so while you may be more plant-based, I may be more paleo, this or other person may be more pescatarian, our bodies are different. Genetically, things are different, right? We need different things. And so that was the first time where I found out for me, I was more a paleo hunter-gatherer type makeup. I needed more lean meats and, 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 and vegetables. Um, not a lot of breads and not dairy, not pastas, uh, uh, not a lot of grains for me. Um, and so that has been a huge difference drinking a lot of water. And so for me, uh, I do fasting. I, I do fast. I, I do intermittent fasting. But there's sometimes there, you know, at the beginning of the month and definitely at the beginning of the year, I'll do just complete water fast for three or four days and let my body five days just let my body completely reset and just kind of heal itself. But for me, more of a more again, lean meats, lean proteins, uh, plants, you know, plant based and stuff like that. That that was the biggest thing, and then sleep, making sure that I'm getting adequate sleep, sleeping in as dark of a room I can, you know, no phones and, and, and you know all lights and stuff like that to allow my body to heal. That was the biggest thing, understanding how important food, everything that I put in my body, impacted the work that I was doing and how my body was trying to recover. That was a huge part. That's cool. Thank you. Um, again, I like we could probably do a whole nother episode on that, which would be a lot of fun for me. But thanks for sharing that, Tim. Sure. Uh, really, I, I can totally see why so many people have been like, you got to meet Tim. I'm, I'm glad they put us together. How can people find you? Tim Hightower. Uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I, I, I need to be a little more active, but just, just Tim Hightower. Uh, updating the website coming soon, but I, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate this time with you. If there's one thing I want people to take away. I, I, I believe in the ability of people to do great things, but it takes us being at our best. And so everything that comes to my mouth, everything that I post, I wanted to help people be the best version of, of themselves that they could be. Um, and so if there's anything, man, if anybody's watching and listening, be the best you. Be the best you. I challenge people to be the best version of yourself. Take care of your body, what you're eating, or how you're eating, what you're putting into your body. Take care of your body, what you're thinking about, what you're putting into your mind, how you treat yourself. Take care of your body to exercise. Take care of your body, what you're reading and learning, who you're surrounding yourself with. It takes you putting the best in your body, surrounding yourself with the best and watching and listening to the best so that you can be your, your best for you, but also for those around you and, and to be better for this world. So uh, thank you so much for having me and keep doing the great work that you're doing in those young people's life and in all the people's lives that you're working. Thank you for having an impact because that's important. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you sharing your story with us today and um, look forward to getting a chance to meet you in person if you're uh, back in Salt Lake City anytime soon. Uh, I'll take you up on it, man, for sure. Hey guys, thanks again for joining this episode of In the Trenches with me, your host, Andrew Taylor. If you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you would subscribe to my podcast. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud. It's In the Trenches with Andrew Taylor. So thanks for joining and hope to see you next time.